Hello, Ghostbusters. Yes, of course they're serious. You do? You have? No kidding. Uh-huh. Well, just, uh, just give me the address. Yes, of course. Oh, they'll be totally discreet. Thank you. We got one! something strange in the neighbourhood who are you going to call well I would call Stu Stu <laughs> welcome back to the film real cast that's what everyone's waiting to hear I know. hello mate how you doing you good other than my I think we should crown it instead of intro shit throw um, <laughs> that was one of the worst intros I think you've done you was know. it really was that, it was really? Off, that was off the cuff wasn't it, 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 it I, I thought about it about a millisecond before I press record I thought oh god I've got to get I've got to get some Horrible Ghostbuster pun in there, and I think it, I think it, I think it worked in all the all the wank ways that it could. So. <laughs> Thankfully, the film is fucking better than that intro, mate. It's, like, a, it's the opposite of that intro. You're right, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So if you haven't guessed it, we are doing 1984 Ghostbusters. Um, 1984. Just we just something we chose. We were going to do Star Wars: uh, Rise of Skywalker, which we still are doing, but we've had to put that on the back burners for a bit. Um, so, yeah, we've not done Ghostbusters. Unbelievable. Why haven't we done Ghostbusters? We've got over 100 episodes spanning, covering 50 years from Jaws to American Wealth in London, which is the first one we did, up to present day, and we've never done Ghostbusters. I don't know why. I, I, I don't. It's one of those films which it's a shame, really, we didn't do it in the times when we had, like, Nim and Graham, because I'm sure Nim would have liked it. Graham would have moaned about it, saying it was unrealistic, because ghosts don't really exist, <laughs> or something. Yeah. <laughs> But you no, know, it's a shame we didn't. A query about the proton packs or something. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, he would have done, wouldn't he? And, and, and then he would have given us a fact about Velcro. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Um, so no, it's, honestly, it is a shame we didn't do it then. But yeah, it's. I mean, it's one of the. It's one of the iconic eighties films. Um, it is. I remember it so well when, when I was ten when Ghostbusters came out. So I was lucky enough to see it at the cinema. And and oh, that's lucky. Ray Parker Jr.'s um, Ghostbusters theme tune was the first single I actually bought, and I, I got it from WH Smiths in London, and I was so proud. It was amazing, and I've still got the record now, the seven inch. Oh, wow. Um, Are you but, talking about the record? <laughs> I, yeah, right, I wish okay. I did have a seven inch, Jesus. But, um, yeah, it came with so much... I mean, for me, I mean, obviously Star Wars was um, kind of well-established and the toys were out, but this was the only other real franchise, like the, the merchandise and stuff like that. That I remember the toys, I remember the the car and like the suits and stuff like that. And I remember little things that came in cereal boxes um, that had kind of slimer on the front, and they had little things you put in the oven and shrink. 
and wow. It was massive, and it, I love this film. I was hooked on this film. It was so, so good. And that's why I'm just so surprised we've never revisited it, really. I know. I guess it, it is one of those... It's one of those films, I mean, where, yeah, it's part of comedy. It, it, it seemed to get everything absolutely on point and right. And I think it's it's one of those rare films, one of those rare gems that really, really, that really, really, that really shines. They seem to get the casting was right, the characters was right, the script was right. I'd imagine they ad libbed quite a lot by looking at it. Was was right, and even for the time, the special effects were I thought were quite good at the time as well. Yeah, and it's incredible. I was looking today that obviously the the year I was born, the eighties, uh, the eighties music and the eighties films for me, uh, they were so much nostalgia and. When you look around in the 80s, I, I could have done a huge list, but I mean, this film is obviously 84. You've got The Goonies in 85, Back to the Future in 85, um, Weird Science. Before that, you've got Gremlins, uh, you've got Beetlejuice, Robocop, Top Gun, Terminator, They yeah. Live, Breakfast Club, Big Trouble, Little China. Indiana Jones series, I think, in the 80s, wasn't it? Yeah, you've got War Games with Matthew Broderick. Oh Jaws. No, yeah. Jaws was 70s, no, apologies. Yeah. yeah, I think 78 Jaws. But when you think that if there was like an era, if you were stuck on a desert island and you had to take a decade with you, I'd take in the 80s with me. I mean, you got the John Hughes films and, I mean, amongst these and they're all coming of age and there's such a good era for films and everything. I don't remember a time, even now, that what we can look back on really is the like the MCU kind of springs to mind where you are guaranteed a blockbuster every year, sometimes two when they brought films out. But the eighties, there's so many different genres there with regards to like Gremlins and Breakfast Club and like Repo Man. They live Big Trouble in Little China and like the Goonies. You're saying for everyone, and I don't think there's been another decade where you can say that. I, I honestly don't know. I don't know what your thoughts are. No, I think I think you're right because also, I mean, the '80s and maybe early '90s was also the genre of the action star, like the Arnie films as well, and 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 obviously um, coming on the back of Rocky that made Stallone a big deal as well. You had you know quite a few hits, and then that that obviously led into the '90s as well, like Predator. Um, you, you know, the first Terminator I think was '80s. Yeah, um, it's massive, and I don't remember another era that no. I, I would pick. And I think it's it's obviously the age I am. I mean, young kids now have just got franchises, everything they try and build into a franchise. And uh, we're kind of lucky enough where we had these uh, just one-off massive films and they didn't make them into a franchise. But I, mean, I think with Ghostbusters, they tried, didn't they? They tried with Ghostbusters. Um, yeah, it, it, it kind of it failed. And um, I, I think it was just at the right time it was just incredible. It had a real feel-good factor about it. And as you said, everything they hit was on point at that time for 1984. And even when you watch yeah. it now, it's a real popcorn feel-good film. It is. It is. I mean, I mean I've mean, i seen the sequel. It's not as good. But what I will say about the sequel, I think it gets, it doesn't get the credit. It might. I think it's a lot. I think it's, once again, it's not as good as this one. It can't touch this one. I mean, you can make a very good argument, but I still think it's a much better film than a lot of people give it credit for. Yeah. For me. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. A lot of people have done really well out of it. When you look at the cast, I mean, you've got Bill Murray. Um, before this, I mean, Bill Murray um, was in Stripes, which is fantastic. And there's a lot of links. Um, 
with uh, the Harold Ramis and Ivan Reitman with regards to what he's done. Dan Aykroyd, Sigourney Weaver. Um, obviously, as I say, Harold Ramis. You've got um, Rick Moranis, who's Lou Tully. Um, and then you've got uh, William Atherton. He's brilliant. He's just someone who sticks out in my mind as uh, Thornburg from Die Hard. And um, the last one, you've got obviously Winston, who uh, we can talk about Winston as a recasting later on. But it's it's a great cast. And for me, when I watched it when I was 10, I didn't know any of these people. I just didn't know. No. But it had me hooked. And I, I knew who they were after that. And for me, Bill Murray is always going to be um, a Venkman. Always going to be. Because that's what I was brought up on. Yeah. Well, now, was Bill Murray originally cast for Peter Venkman? Do you know? Uh, I think Bill Murray was. There was... Um, when... Uh, Harold Ramis wrote the uh, the script. He didn't have himself first of all in mind, but as the script went along, um, he thought that he'd be really good at playing Spegler, so he cast himself as Spegler, uh, which worked really, really well. And to be honest, I can't imagine anyone else no. possibly playing him. But again, that's another thing that we can talk about. But I mean, the film had a thirty million pound budget and it ended up doing. I don't know present day. I imagine it's done a lot more. Uh, with regards to streaming and things like that, but mm. it's ended up to 295 million, and, and he got knocked off by Home Alone, so it oh, stayed wow. number biggest earner of the year for I think about six months, which is pretty incredible at that time, especially when you look what else was coming out. Oh no, I definitely, mean, really is a good record. But um, and when you look at the director, um, the Ivan Reitman what he actually did. I mean, he's coming on with National Lampoon's Vacation. Um, he went on to do, obviously, Ghostbusters 2. He did Twins, Kindergarten Cop. He did Junior. He did Dave. I mean, he's done some absolutely incredible films. I mean, in a 16-year span, I mean, he's got one, two, three, four, well, he's got about 12 films, which are all cult films, all blockbusters, that I'd say most people of our age have actually seen. And again, Harold Ramis as well. When you look up, I was really unaware until I started doing some digging into him that what an amazing writer he was. I mean, Animal House, Caddyshack. Again, he was Stripes as well. Um, Back to School, Caddyshack 2, Groundhog Day, Analyze yeah. That. I, I, I never realised. I didn't know Analyze that. that. I didn't know Analyze That. I knew about the others. Yeah. Okay. I mean, his library of films is really, really impressive. That is not was, bad at all, uh, is it? No. So before we actually ruin everything, obviously it's going to rip that plot apart and we'll be full of spoilers. I mean, go ahead and give us the plot, James. I will. But before I do anything, do you know, um, I'm trying to look at how, do you know how much the Ghostbusters in 2016 cost to make? I'm trying to find out before before I do that. I know the opening weekend, but I don't know how, I don't know how, how much, much it costs to make. Budget, oh, the budget for it. Yeah, I'm trying to find out because... Listen, McCarthy, Chris Hemsworth. I mean, it's got some big names in there. Yeah, because because apparently thirty million nineteen eighty four dollars, thirty million adjusted to today's worth is seventy four million, right? And I'm it's pretty more, and I'm surely. pretty sure Ghostbusters twenty sixteen is going to be a lot more, if not double that. I'd imagine. I, I, and the point I'm trying to make, I'm not trying to slag 20, the 2016 Ghostbusters off, but the point I'm trying to make is, with that much money, they, I mean, they got way more. They're bang for their buck than they do now. And I think that's the case now in the eighties. I think 
Um, the budgets were, were still big, but they weren't as ridiculous as they are now, even when you adjust the inflation. And but as you made the point about the 80s, I, th I think they, they did a lot more with their money than they, than they I, I feel, than they do now, you know, uh, films in general. I mean, why didn't the original or the the 2016 did you say it was? Why do you yeah. why do you think that that didn't work? It's because I felt it's because I, I don't. I, I mean, some people are arguing there without pushing a female agenda, etc. I don't think. I just think it was a, a, a rubbish plot. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it it wasn't a Ghostbusters film. It was basically. I'm trying to think who the um oh the Paul Feig. I think basically Paul Feig wanted to make another Bridesmaid. But basically, um, but you know, cover the with the skin of Ghostbusters is probably the best way of putting it. Um, and yeah. I, I thought you, if you do a film, take away the Ghostbusters and just, just put those four females in a. We need to get some ghosts, but let's not call it Ghostbusters. It probably would have been a much better film. So you think the fact they called it Ghostbusters what went against it yeah. regards to like nostalgia and things like that? Yeah, it wasn't. It didn't feel like Ghostbusters. It 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 really it really wasn't. And I think, um, yeah, uh, and it was I, a terrible. Yeah, it, 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 it was, and I think uh, it flopped to the box office. Um, luckily, they're not making another one, and they're making Ghostbusters uh, in rumoured for twenty twenty one. Although, albeit, I don't know with, with the COVID thing whether that's going to be pushed to twenty twenty two. Ghostbusters Afterlife, and I saw the trailer, or the teaser. It looks alright. Don't really know what to make of it yet, but I'm more excited about that than I was the twenty sixteen Melissa McCarthy one with with with, yeah. with the others because I, I when I looked at the trailer, it, it was almost slapstick. Where I think Ghostbusters, there's. I don't want. I don't. I don't. I don't think the right word sophisticated to you, but that's the only word I've got. It's a. But the, the comedy in Ghostbusters, I felt, was a lot more subtle and clever than it was in 2016's almost like slapstick slipping over banana comedy that they had. Yeah, I don't think any of them are, are kind of clever enough to um, ad lib, and I've got the the speed and the dry sense of humour that Bill Murray's got. I oh, mean, um, I'm, I'm sure some of his lines were ad libbed as well. Oh, virtually all of his lines are ablib, and they, had a, they gave him a direction, uh, and he followed that direction. But they were virtually all ad-libbed, and like Sigourney Weaver didn't know what he was going to say. And there was a few lines that were put down in the script, and he didn't say them. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> and it's great. I think when you look at that, when you realise that, you kind of think, what credit to Sigourney Weaver that you you don't see her react nice. to some of the random things that bill murray comes out with which are kind of often genius he's he's such a funny guy uh, i think as you say it's it's intellectually smart and very clever where i, I think they, it is. they manage to be clever but keep the comedy in there because it's very very dry and you have to listen to it because there's lots of things going on said on the background i know mate but, I, I saw one thing today as you mentioned that on the background which i didn't i didn't notice before i don't know why Maybe because um, I've seen it all the time as a kid and I don't pay attention as much as I did. Um, and I've, obviously, I pay attention today. Um, you know when he's going around the house with a little spray? Yeah. And he opens up the Sigourney's bedroom. She goes, that's my bedroom. Nothing happens in there. And he goes and whispers, ah, what a crime, or whatever. Which I thought was, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It, it's just absolutely brilliant. 
It he is. really, really is a clever guy. But yeah, he's just so funny. So, yeah, no, I mean, to begin with, the film, I mean, I mean, what an opening, what an opening few minutes. It, it um, opens with the New York Public Library, where we've got, we've got this, we've got this librarian. It all looks kind of very boring, but I think the soundtrack is really, really good, and it really builds up for this. And she's gathering books, and and um, obviously she goes kind of like in like the cellar or the or the, the bottom part of the library. And then what starts off with a few books going left and right, very cleverly done, um, ends up, um, you know, all the um, all the card labels end up going, uh, you know, flapping around and stuff. Um, special effects, uh, by the looks of it, I think from what I remember, it was all quite cheaply done. Um, I think, yeah. yeah um, but, it holds though, doesn't it? It yeah, really does hold. It's, it's brilliant. It's because it, I think part of the reason is because it's a practical effect and not CGI like it would be now. Yeah, and I still look even now when I was watching it last night that when she's walking down the like the passageway and like the the books going across the the yeah. passage is absolutely brilliant, but the cards oh brilliant sticking out it's just such a clever special effect and when you look at the like the the HD version and when it's been kind of redigitalized and it's clearer, you think well maybe I'll see something, but they hold up, they really it really do hold up, and it's as you say it's so simple, but it's just so effective and you could be mistaken if you did not know what this film was. And when I started watching it yesterday, I had it on the, the projector. So I had a huge screen. Oh, wow. It, it, the music is very eerie. It is. You could be mistaken that this is a serious horror film. Mm. Uh, Cause you just don't know. All you're doing is following this woman who looks very, very strange anyway. And you're following her and then something makes the jump and scares the shit out of her. And she like, and it just flicks the Ghostbusters. I must admit, I did have a John Wick flashback when they went to New York Library. Oh, yeah. Yeah, of course. I completely forgot. I mean, yeah, it does have some quality. I mean, yeah, you see the two towers in a couple of scenes as well. Um, while they're going over the one of the bridges, I think. Um, I mean, I mean, yeah, uh, it, it, it was it was brilliant. Then, then you got the logo. Then you got, obviously, you know, the, you know one of the most famous songs, I, th- I, I think, um, you know, in relation to a movie playing. Oh, it's absolutely brilliant. And, and what I love is this film doesn't take itself serious. That from that, and you you, you obviously know what's happened, but and then you're int- the way you're introduced to Bill Murray is just fantastic. It, it, he's at Columbia University and he's got this really attractive woman in front of him. Yeah. And uh, this guy who he just looks like a complete bell end next to her. And he's got the flashcards. They're both rigged up to get electric shocks. And he's showing the the flashcards, but the, they can't see what's on there. No. They've got a guess, circle, wavy lines. And it's just his sense of humour. <laughs> the way he uses this to his advantage to pull this female is brilliant and keeps giving the guy electric shocks to the extent that he spits his chewing gum out. I know. What a slimy, smarmy guy. But you can't... But but you can't help but... I mean, I mean, you know, I looked at it and I thought, oh, my God. But you can't... But you can't... He's... It, it's really difficult to not like him, though. In it, you know, yeah. even though you, you even even though you you know what you know what he's doing, he's clearly being a douche. And I think in any other film, in any other character doing it, I don't think we'll be able to pull it off with the fact that you kind of still root for him, despite the fact that he's being a douche. You know? Yeah, and the way he's saying to her, "Can you see this card?" Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she's believes if I got supernatural powers, do you think he's like, "Well, you may have," and it's just done so I know. poorly. And as you say, you can't help. But like him, yeah. Even though he's just electrocuting some innocent guy, <laughs> I know. It's just brilliant. Yes, because he ends up he ends up leaving the guy, 
even though he gets it right, I think on at least one, you, you know, he's, he's, yeah. he's at least you know reading the cards. He's more successful than the girl. Let's be honest. And then, and then he's like, oh, yeah, yeah. and then he, you know, cozies up to the girl and said, he's, you know, you're gonna have, you're gonna have to deal with a lot of jealousy because of your abilities or whatever, you know. <laughs> it's just like, it's so oh my god, loves it. <laughs> I know, I know. You're making a day. and then, and then obviously we we see Ray Stance come in, uh, Dan Aykroyd's character come in, come in and start talking about obviously the library. And they and they and they all go and then they all go to the you know they all go to the library, um well, well you know but not before Bateman uh, makes a date tries to make a date with this student so yeah and you you're introduced to Harold Ramis who's there what an uh, intro though he's listening to the desk yeah. and uh, and when you hear it he's going you go on like that isn't he and they're yeah. messing around with him but you instantly know just from those introductions without really any dialogue no. Uh, the speculator is the intelligent one. He's the, the one who takes everything very serious. And you've got Stance, who's just so excited, like a kid. Yeah. Just makes his rash decisions and is easily led and will do anything. And Venkman, who's just like a clown. And as Sigourney Weaver says, you're so strange. You're just not like yeah. everyone else. No. And that just sums him up. He doesn't take anything serious. <laughs> and it's just—it's great, and you get that within about—I don't know—ten seconds of them all being together without any dialogue. You don't need a, a character arc of any of them, and that's—and uh, cre- that's credit to the film and the directors, yeah. the, the script, the way the way they, the way they shoot it, the way the characters play it. Where I think when you compare it maybe to today's script to, to, to today's films, some of them. Um, are not as good and you'd almost need like 20 minutes of dialogue or whatever before before you get these characters but here it almost reminds me of um, um obviously a much more serious film you know the, the first um 10 minutes but it's hardly to speak an alien where it sets up yeah. and you kind of even before the characters really speak to you you kind of get um you know speak to each other properly you get all the characters and but, but ghostbusters does that obviously with the three not so but they do, it does it a lot a lot quicker i think as well yeah and you get the impression that Bankman just goes along for the ride because he's got nothing else better to do. Yeah, absolutely. He any of it, and he's going along so he can actually take the piss out of Spegler and Stunts out of it because he's got nothing no. else to do. And they just entertain it. But it's great that when they go down to... and When they question the old lady... Oh, yeah. Are you, are you on your menopause? Are you on your period? Just the questions that are just unnecessary, but he's got the power to ask them because he's a doctor. Yes, and he can, and the woman answers them. It's just brilliant. Is, but downstairs, in the when they go where they were, the old lady was scared. It's just it's brilliant. It's creepy. The music is so good. You see the slime, and again you see the characters. And again, any time that there's a risky situation, you can see Vinkman take a step back, and uh, they push down Atroy forward. To, to make contact with this ghost. And it, you realise it's the first time they've ever really had any contact. They've done loads of investigating, yep. but they've never had any contact with a ghost. I know. It's, it's, almost like, it's almost like your mate down the pub so showing off how hard he is. And when it comes in yeah. for him to have a fight, it's like, oh, no. You know what I mean? I mean, I mean they, they talk about it, and now they for the first time ever, as you said, they've seen this ghost, and none of them know what to do. Yeah. So it, it, you always believe that it's true. And as soon as they see it, they think, shit, it is actually true. Yeah. And uh, but the stacking of the books is is great. The the, the comments that um, Bill Murray makes with regards to 
Yeah, because humans can't stack books up like that, can they? Yeah. <laughs> just doesn't give a shit. He's got no interest whatsoever. No, but he doesn't. But when I'm ten, and that lady turns around and like, hushes them, That's and creepy. then they take a step forward, and it kind of like Indiana Jones, like ghost kind of thing looking and it just comes at the screen i mean when i was 10 that scared the shit out of me it still does though it's still scary it's getting my daughter watching it she's like oh my god i had to them it is a fucking scary thing and again they run out and that's when things start to kind of move there and it's only the film's an hour and 47 minutes long and it's a really quick film and it's constantly things happening and i mean from there they obviously get the sack uh from columbia university and then they go it alone. And I think it's... Um, it's Ray, isn't it, that pulls up the yeah. money? Yeah. yeah. Ray sells his... Or he remortgages his house, <laughs> didn't he? Uh, that it was left by his mum. And it, again, he's bullied into it by everyone else. That it's a good idea. Yeah. And they buy the, the iconic um, old firehouse. Oh, mate. I mean, what you said about Ray being such a kid. I mean, Egon's going on about how horrible the building is. And Ray's like, oh, it's got a pole. Can we have it? Basically, when he slides down the pole. Because he's so yeah. excited. Can we stay here tonight? This is great. Yeah, it's, so, it's so funny. Um, and and, and the, I mean, obviously, that's the iconic um, building. Is it in New York? Is it in New York? Um, the because uh, it's an actual fire station. Different. Yeah, the outside was yeah. filmed at one location, and the inside was filmed in another location. Yeah. Um, and I think the inside was filmed in the mask when uh, he gets his car done. That's where he goes. Oh, I did not know that. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. It's been used in quite a few films. And from there, that's when we're introduced to uh, Sigourney Weaver's character, um, Donna Barrett. I mean, she was lovely, wasn't she, when she was younger? Absolutely. um, Absolutely stunning. And she's brilliant in this film. I can't imagine anyone else playing a role. I mean, I think you could have, if you were going for good looking, you could have um, like Kim Bassinger, someone like that, who possibly, if you could recast... I don't know if you had any other ideas back in those times who you could recast. I mean, you had uh, Kelly LeBrook as well. She's English. That could work. Yeah, it's, it's a difficult one because, I mean, when you look at, out of all the characters in it, other than maybe Egon, who plays it straight, but we know he's we uh, he's playing it straight, but we laugh at him to a certain degree. She's probably the most straight-laced person in the whole film in terms of um, until she gets obviously possessed. Yeah, but she plays it really, really straight. But I think I think they didn't really make Dana in this a comedy character, and I think that worked really, really well. Um, yeah, and there is know? great chemistry between her and Bill oh, Murray. Well. It feels really, really natural. And we and we forget. I mean, at this point, uh, she hasn't Sigourney hadn't. I don't think she'd done Aliens at this point. Was that 80, I think that was a year later. I'm trying to think. Or the same year. I'm trying to work out when Aliens was. She definitely done Alien, hadn't she? So 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 she was she was known yeah, Alien. Yeah. Which was a completely different role, um, yeah. yeah. Obviously, but no, no. I think I, I don't. I cannot imagine anyone else being cast in this film for, for pretty much any of the cast. Obviously, they've given, and I think the yeah. fact that she played it straight really, really helped the film rather than making her a comedy character. And the comedy was really centralised with the three the three Ghostbusters um, in terms of actors, and obviously, and obviously, you had Rip Moranis as well. Yeah, well, I've got, as I say, I've got some recasts for later on, though, which we can um, okay. talk about to see, if, uh, to see if you think they'd work or not. But, I mean, from there, that's where Sigourney Weaver um, obviously has her first encounter uh, in the kitchen. Yeah. Again, I thought these special effects, they're so simple, 
but they are just so effective. And it was creepy, you, the creepy music again, as you mentioned yeah. earlier. And how, again, you, you do wonder, how are these things done? Uh, and it's so good. The eggs are flicking out of the egg box and they boil on the counter. Um, how is that done? I, I just, in that day, it looked so real. and It looked it so simple. It, there was no stop motion about it, uh, which we come, come to uh, later on, which is fantastic anyway. Mm. But and she opens the fridge and that's when you get the first um, mention of the word Zool, don't you? Yeah. And that's fucking creepy. I mean, just she played that so, so well. As you say, she's a really straight-laced character. Yeah. And she's not a, a screamer um, that you normally do get in these kind of films. No, and, which I think was important in a funny way. Well, it was because there was no comedy in, in the actual moment that laughed about it she didn't kind of talk to herself to reassure herself that it was just very very straight laced that it was scary that's the way it was portrayed and she actually um, managed to do that really really well and i know it's so good the way the film does this it, it is and i think i think it's really important because when you look at all the other side stories like with the slimer and then you had like the montage of them running around catching ghosts. There was a comedy element to all of them, apart from Dana's story, which was central to the plot. And I think for that, for it to work and for you to almost think, oh, the Ghostbusters are actually in danger here, it was really important that that plot was taken kind of like as serious, like it was the most serious part of the film, that whole plot with, with, with Dana. Yeah, it was funny about the two dogs, etc. But the way she reacted to it, the way she came to them for help, and 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 the way obviously the building is haunted and the way they describe the building, and that for me was the most. When you take a look at the whole film, the most serious part of the film, and and I and that was the time where you felt that was the only time that realistically you felt the Ghostbusters were in peril, peril, you know, towards it, and quite rightly yeah. so. And it was because it all started as we're talking with with Sigourney's Weaver straight, you know. I'm actually quite scared. This is quite real. They didn't overplay it. They didn't make her like a scream queen. It was it was almost, you know, as realistic as you get in this film. I think. Yeah, definitely. And and from that, she sees the ad on TV for the Ghostbusters, and then she gives them a call, and she goes to their um their kind of new headquarters, and that's when uh, Bill Murray takes an instant liking to her and agrees to come over. And again, you get that chemistry when he goes over and he's walking around just with this long, like aerial thing, just squirting <laughs> it around the lounge. Now, do, you, uh, do, do you think that that was he? He just got that to to do it, I reckon, yeah, rather than it wasn't. Admit, yeah, that doesn't. It's a new gadget, and but it's the, the I love. And even when I watched it last night, I just laughed, and I always will. When he walks in, he's got the piano, and he turns his back. He just gets his two fingers. And goes. Din, 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 din. Yeah. And he says they hate this. It drives them crazy. And you know <laughs> it's absolute bollocks that he's talking. Uh, and he's just doing it to charm her, to try and play the big man. But he admits when that thing's working, he goes, is it working properly well? Or do you know how to use it? Well, I think I do. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, he's there to pull her. He doesn't give a toss. And he's not even interested. She has to even remind him to look in the fridge. And yeah. his oh, reaction God, is, yeah. oh my God. All, this, <laughs> all the junk food. Is brilliant again, and he can instantly turn a, a kind of a nasty, or he can instantly turn tension into comedy. Absolutely, in just a few lines, which is absolutely genius. But from there, goes on to one of the 
well, for me, when I was younger, was one of the best scenes in there, the hotel scene, when they actually get, and you hear the iconic, we've got one. Oh, that was brilliant, yeah. You do? Yeah. You have? Yeah. They go to the Sedgwick Hotel, um, and it's just brilliant. And for me, when I, obviously I was 10 years old, I mean, you had your Flash Gordon, everything that was in space. But for me, this was the first time that I remember these kind of like laser guns and things like that. You know, I, it really I mean, impacted that, me. I know that. I mean, so it was. I, I, the noise they make was brilliant. The, the two noise, one when they charged up and the second noise they made, along, along with obviously um, the special effect uh, the, um, you know, of them shooting it. The two noises were brilliant. And I never forget in the, in the lift when they're going on about, we've got thermonuclear accelerators obviously on about unlicensed or whatever, and they turn yeah. rays on, wasn't it? And then Egon, Egon and Pete take a step back. Yeah. yeah. But it's, that is one of the noises... You could hear that noise, and you'd instantly know. It's like Mario with the coins and Pac-Man. Yep. You'd instantly know that that was a proton pack that was being turned on. And it's just so iconic. It's absolutely brilliant. And when they first walk into the uh, the corridor, and they shoot that poor old maid oh, with God. all the toy rolls, and her reaction is just priceless. It, it is. is so funny. Uh, and it's just great. Then they all split up, and you see the different characters. You see um, Spegler walking along, just prodding people who's in the corridor, and then you see Stance just walking along, with cigarette hanging off his top lip. Oh, that that, that works so well when, when, when he yeah he's, when he saw him. And Venkman just walking around, not giving a shit. And the first encounter is Ray, who sees Slimer, who's such an iconic ghost. And always will be. It's just absolutely fantastic. But his reaction to seeing him, his eyes are popping out of his head. And it's just so, so good. And that trolley smashing against the uh, the walls. I mean, as you say, they're so simple, the special effects in this film. And they're just so effective. It was, it was, wasn't it? The trolley smashing, and the, the, you know, obviously the, the camera they rigged up there to see it, and the slow motion. It, it, it was brilliant. And then, and then, and then shortly after, um, you know, he goes missing from Ray. You, you obviously we see Bateman walk in, and then uh, he, he radios Ray. He's looking at me, Ray. He's looking at me. You know. Yeah, I think you can hear. You. He goes, "He's an ugly son of a." Bitch. Yeah, I think you can. Yeah. That'd be ugly. That line. Their proton packs then was fantastic. When I was younger. The fact that they were just out of control and it was such a thick beam with this twirling light around it and everything they touched, it just destroyed. Well, yeah, it was, I, it was fascinating. It was. I mean, almost Vegman almost preempts that. Um, you know, gives us a clue because um, let's split up and he goes, "Yeah, we can do more damage that way." Yeah, yeah doesn't he? Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we get slimed. Yeah, it's that's brilliant. so good. And it, it's such a moment that is filled with tension when his slime is actually coming towards him because you just don't know what's he going to do. Is he going to be possessed? Is he? Are we going to have one of the Ghostbusters hurt out of action? But the fact he just gets slimed and he's on the floor, kind of like a as if he's like a kind of a tortoise put on his back and he I can't know. get up. It's done with so much comedy and it's harmless. Oh and it's, Sorry, Stuart. Yeah, no, when he says actual physical contact, doesn't he? And, and then Eagle, yeah. Eagle goes over the radio, get, get me a sample. Yeah. <laughs> but it's such a simple way of doing something. It could have been so technical the, the way they did it. And they could have kind of overanalyzed what would it be to have contact with a ghost? What would happen? But to turn it into a comedic moment of, 
you've just been covered in a massive booger and that is it. It's brilliant, which leads to the ballroom scene, which again is another iconic scene. I think for me, purely for the two sides, you've got the guy who's like the maitre d' who's outside, mm. who's a, such a snob, wanting to get in. And then you've got the guys inside just causing so much destruction. And I think anyone who watched that film would want to be in that ballroom just smashing the shit out. Oh, of mate, it. I know. I know. I mean, when the, light, when the light comes up and Peter Baker goes, Bill Murray goes, oh, don't worry, the table broke the fall. <laughs> yeah, like, this what? amazing chandelier. Yeah. It's just so, so good. And again, the, the, the effects of when they're all blasting and you've got the streams coming out everywhere and it's just cakes are exploding and plates are exploding and it's just brilliant and the effects of it's so simple and i love it when they actually captured a ghost but you've got to put a little box out on a string or on a, oh, a wire and it sucks it in and the the proton beams hold slimer in place and they can control him and lower him into that box and then you bag him and it's it is good it's done so well and it's so simple and anyone of any age who's watching that can understand what's happening you don't just visually it explains it, which is brilliant. You just don't need dialogue, and that's why kids can like it so much. Exactly. I mean, that's the perfect thing. Uh, yeah, it just works. Pull a string out, press a button on it. Yeah, it sucks a ghost in, but don't explain how it's made. You know, it kind of like no. reminds me of the original Star Wars trilogy, The Force. It's this magic thing. It's all around us, and they kind of ruin it in The Phantom Menace by trying to over-explain it, which destroys it. You know, I mean, as you said, they kept it simple, and I think that's why... Um, any generation can watch this film still and and enjoy it for what it is. And you can't nitpick on no. something so visual when it's not explained. And I think that's why these kind of films, and in the 80s, a lot of films work so well. Mm. Uh, I mean, from there, uh, as we know, that New York becomes a ghost hotspot, so much to the extent that that's when we're introduced to Ernie Hudson, who plays the character Winston Zeddemore. And Absolutely. Winston originally was going to be cast um, Eddie Murphy. Oh, yeah? Oh, wow. And he was going to be introduced virtually at the start of the film uh, because Eddie Murphy turned it down. They introduced him halfway through the film. And what do you think the dynamics would have been if Eddie Murphy... Do you think it would have been a better film? Or no. Do you think it would have been worse I, I can't see it being a better... I can't see it being a better film. Once again, I mean, I said... Um, <sighs> Uh, obviously Sigourney's the most for me the most straight laced character but I think Winston represents I think the everyman like the average the average person who then goes to work for Ghostbuster the Ghostbuster and sees all this crazy stuff I mean like he says to, to Janine do you believe in this and he goes this there's a steady paycheck in it I believe anything you say or whatever you know and I, and I thought and I thought that was brilliant and and to a certain extent we're seeing uh yeah, look, we're going for the ride along with him because he's the one, you know, I've seen shit that'll turn you white, you know, he says to the mayor. Um, and he is kind of like the, 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 the everyman, the working man in, 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 in relations. And I, and I don't think it would have worked with Eddie Murphy. I mean, what do you, where do you stand on that? Yeah, I, I think you're right. I don't think it would have worked um, with Eddie Murphy. I think it would have been a, a very risky decision to, to put him in the film because I mean, I don't know around about the same time, but you had best defense with Eddie Murphy and mm. Dudley Moore, which is a really good film. You had Beverly Hills cop in 1984 as well. We had trading places in 1983, 48 hours in 1982. I mean, all of those films 
huge films. They're cult films. And I think Eddie Murphy would have been a, a two-star character uh, to have in this film. And it, you rightly, you, you nailed it, mate, when you said you get the everyman point mm, of view. Which is. From a, a scientific background. And Eddie Murphy, you just couldn't have that because I think he's just too much of a big star. Even in 1984, he was a, a huge star with Delirious as well. But yeah. you couldn't have had, it would have killed the dynamics of what was happening. And maybe it would have brought too much comedy because it's a very um, dark comedy, I think, and a, a very clever comedy. And I don't think Eddie Murphy, he's brilliant and I love Eddie Murphy, but I don't think his kind of comedy would have no. fit in this film. No, no, because as much as we're laughing at the characters and to a certain extent what happens to them and how they deal with some of the some of it, the, the three... The four Ghostbusters, first thing for themselves, their characters are taking it seriously. And I think someone of Eddie Murphy, the characters he plays with, they don't, you know, like Axel Rhodes and stuff. It's whether we would believe that his character would take it seriously, like the other three do, which makes it funnier because they are taking it. I mean, they are taking what happens to them serious, what happens to them seriously, especially like Egon and, 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 and Ray and the fact that Bill Murray, yes, these things are happening to him. He believes they're happening, but, but he deals with it in such a funny way that, you, you know, that, that, that we laugh at him. And I don't think Eddie Murphy would have had that um, chemistry with them. Plus Eddie Murphy's career. I mean, when you look at, you've got the golden child, you've got Beverly Hills Cop 2. Coming to America, um, yeah, he's too big a star, like you said. I think you hit, I think you summarize it better, best by he. I think he was, he would have been too big a star to have in that film. And I think the script may or may not have changed, um, to, to you know, um, so he gets more funnier lines. I, I don't know, but I, I cannot see it working. And we, we wouldn't have had the iconic film that we have today, I think, with Eddie Murphy. No, no, I, I think no. that's spot on. Um, and another character who is absolutely brilliant. William Appleton is Walter Peck or Pecker as uh, Ray tends to call him. And he's from the um, environmental protection agency. And he's brilliant. As I say, he played Thornburg in Die Hard in 88 mm. and he plays exactly the same character. It's almost as if he got fired from the um, EPA <laughs> and then decided to become a reporter and moved to Los Angeles. Oh yeah, definitely. It's virtually the same character and it's brilliant. He wants to shut down. He's, pissed off that where are they storing these ghosts what's it what's happening to the grid when they're storing it is it regulated is it safe and he's not interested in any answers whatsoever and it doesn't help that the first person he comes across is um peter who rips the piss out of him in every single way possible yes definitely um, brilliant. he deserves it <laughs> he does he does doesn't he? and even as a kid i couldn't stand him especially when he turns off the thing like what are you doing you, you, yeah. you know and it's it, he's such an i think the way he plays both the characters in this and died he's such an easy character to dislike he's obviously very good at what he does oh he's absolutely brilliant and yeah i, I really really i like his character in die hard i think it's brilliant and i forgot he was in this and it was great to see him playing the same kind of character and it's it's just great, but he kind of he gets his comeuppance in a way, and and it was really really good. But you go from there to um, Sigourney Weaver returns home, and she's kind of kidnapped, and I I think this is really really clever as well, where she sits in the chair and you, she can see the light. She's talking to her mum, and mm. again this 
her roles when she's in it everything apart from issues with bill murray everything is really really serious yeah. and she's talking to her mum and she's in that chair and you can see the light coming from the kitchen and the way the arms come out of that chair and just cover her mouth and cover her chest and her chair's dragged into the kitchen it's done so so well and it's really really scary Oh, it's definitely, and and obviously you got the dogs as well, the, which is which. Yes, you can tell it's stop motion when you're watching it, but I think it's 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 about as good as stop motion is ever going to get. I think, um, yeah, um, for those and some of it is practical effect when they do the close-ups of them. The models are really, I mean, are really really good. Definitely, and one weird, which kind of, I, I only caught it when I watched it. Um, I saw it at the cinema a couple of years ago. This one. I took uh, my youngest to go and watch it at the cinema. He'd never seen it before. Oh, yeah. And the scene when they're in the firehouse, when um, Ray has that dream. Yes. And it, it, a ghost sucks him off, which is really, <laughs> really strange, isn't it? Which I, when I was younger, funnily enough, I never picked up on. No, I just but, thought it was a bit very strange what's happening. No, I never picked it up on either. I know. But how bizarre is that? That they, they put that scene... <laughs> Yeah, of everything they put in there, that his trousers up do, and you see his eyes, and that they decided to add in a kids' film that he's getting fellatio. I know it's PG, it's PG as well. Just double checked. It's really, really strange. And again, uh, another thing that I picked up on, which which you do on multiple viewings, um, the next scene is where they were arranged to have dinner that uh, Venkman and uh, Dana. So he goes around to see Sigourney Weaver. And it, again, it's brilliant. She opens a door and she says, are you the, uh, the gatekeeper? She says, no. So she slams the door, opens it again. And she looks really, really hot as well. Yeah. Um, she says, yes, I am. So she goes in, leads him into the bedroom. <laughs> and she actually turns around. I don't know if you picked this up, but um, she says to uh, Peter, she goes, I want you inside of me. Oh, mate, I know. I heard that. I heard that today because I knew that was coming. No, and it's so clear. And you think, man alive. I mean, I know. are you you talking about, because she's wanting sex from him. There's no yeah, fucking mistake in Absolutely. that. And to have that line. I know, mate. I know. I mean, I, I think that, I think one of the few saving graces is, is, is obviously he goes, oh, go on. Oh, no. He goes, I think there's too many people inside you already and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, the stuff that's coming out with, with this quality. Um, oh, it's amazing. Things you pick up when you're an adult and you rewatch things again. I, I, I know. I know. I know. And it's quite bad, isn't it? Because the scenes are almost one after another almost. And you're like, oh, my God. You know? Um, yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. But, yeah, so... Um, so obviously, you get the mention of Zul and uh, a servant of Goza and um, Gozerian, the shapeshifting god of destruction. And uh, you, you go from that scene where you get Peck returns again with a warrant and he's so pleased. He's got the police with him as well. And by this time, um, you've got Rick Moranis, who's an interesting character. I could, If he didn't have like a party and you didn't know him so well, you could easily mistake him for being like a paedophile in the block. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, probably. probably. He's a um, really weird little man, isn't he? I mean, how he got on to do that many films. I mean, I know he retired from to look after his family, didn't he, from TV and I film. Think, I but... think he, he kind of... In the, I mean, also was obviously um, Lord Helmet and, uh, and Honey, I Shot the Kids. I think he kind of almost had like a niche um, where he, he's really good at playing a certain kind of character. You know, 
um, got a shelf life, hasn't it? His niche has got a shelf life. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it definitely does have a shelf. I, I mean, I think his best performance, one of his best performances, is probably Little Shop of Horrors. Um, yeah. When he was yeah. a bit more serious, yet still comedy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, it does. Yeah, you're right. It definitely does. It does have a niche. But I think he. But what he does, what he does here, is very good. He's he's a nerd. He he always, he always locks himself out of his own building because he's an idiot. Um, the almost... scene of the parties, absolutely. The the, the the stop motion is is great, but the obviously it's a kind of it's a like a, not a puppet, but it's a like a latex figure. I mean, when yeah. he's it's so iconic for me is when he opens a door and he's he the... out, throws the coat on the the massive dog of horns or whatever it's called, and it's absolutely brilliant. And when it smashes through that oh, door into the yeah. as you say, mate, stop motion, but it's done so well it's just brilliant it it doesn't date the film for me some of no. it's really really bad but it doesn't date it because it's just it's done so well um and it's not on the screen a lot they never focus on it it's always moving and if it is stopping they actually go to a proper kind of live um not animated puppet don't they yeah it does i mean i i and also um to print you that I, I love the line who brought the dog when you hear the massive growl which is more would make people yeah yeah um, it, yeah it's good it really is and he gets possessed he does he um, goes is, it, is that central park isn't it? he goes in the big fam- famous restaurant there is that, is that right yes that's yeah. right yeah and he ends up getting taken back to the fire station and when peck i mean it's brilliant that when he goes down into the basement and he says to the uh, the worker, "Do it," and everyone starts creeping out because they all know it's going to be fucking tits up. It's just gonna, it's not going to be good. Whatever happens, and um, that's what actually happens. Everything gets released, and it gives the opportunity for Dana to meet up um, with uh, Rick Moranis' character, and they kind of he does quite well out of it, doesn't he? Because <laughs> Yeah, it's a good kiss out of it, and they end up turning into dogs. Um, he does. I, li- I, li- I like the fact that she kind of assumes the uh, male male position there when you're doing like the Hollywood type kiss, which always makes me laugh. Yeah, she is definitely the dominant one. Yes, but it's brilliant because all the ghosts are released, and then you get the the really really good scenes, which I loved as a kid, and I still love now. And I wish they did more of them, where you get the ghost goes up the. T- um, the exhaust pipe, and you get the ghost taxi driver. Oh, that scared, that get, scared the crap out of me. It, it did scare the shit out of me. It's like a walking dead character or something, Tales from mm. the Crypt. And you get the slimer eating the hot dogs and the ghost from the, the subway. And it's really, really good. And even though these are ghosts, it's done with, it's just fun. The music they're playing is fun. It's not creepy. It's just brilliant. And it's a quality 80s like score they've got throughout this film really really good synthesizers drum machines absolutely brilliant really really good and i don't think that's dated as well no i don't i, don't, I mean i don't really think any of this film is dated yes i mean yeah you can make an argument for some of the stop motion which which if, you, if you're pressed yeah it does look it is the most dated out of the look of it and the fact that some of the some of the effects with the dogs feel when you look at it, a tiny bit washed out when they're when they're when they're breaking through the walls if you're going to be pedantic about it but that doesn't take your enjoyment away from the film because there is so much more, um, you know, to the overall film going on. I don't think I don't think it takes it away 
at all. And and I've I've had, I've had friends watch this film. Um, I, I've been with my like brother, younger younger children, my two step kids, my daughter. At no point did they even mention, oh, that's rubbish effects because they were enjoying it so much, you know? Yeah, def- definitely, definitely. And from there, they get arrested. Yeah. Um, which is a really, really funny scene because they're in uh, a jail cell and they've obviously got the maps to the building. And as they're talking, all the other cons who are in the cha- the same cell gather around yeah. and they're all listening. <laughs> I know. And it, it's just so, so cheeky. And they realise that the true source of the... Um, the supernatural incident is actually the building and that the architect was a um, like a genius cult leader of Goza and that he's designed the building to create kind of these supernatural beings and basically for the purposes of ending the world, which again is so simple and they kind of, there's a bit of foreshadowing when they actually mention that about um, get the blueprints for the building mm. and it's simple. It's, doesn't have to be technical again and it's just nope. buildings there you, and it's encouraged this um spirit and you just need to go and kill the spirit and again the conversation that goes back and forth between peck the mayor and the ghostbusters oh. is just brilliant oh, and mate, it's a really good yeah murray when he talks about the size of peck's dick yes it's absolutely classic it's so good and they convince him to be released and they arrive outside um, their building or Dana's building to a fanfare like they're rock stars or the Beatles arriving in kind of Kennedy Airport. It's absolutely brilliant. There's a real good buzz about this, isn't it? There is, mate. There is. Yeah, there is. And I love the fact, I mean, you've got like, um, I guess we're going to save the day. I think that's the title of the song or something similar to it. I mean, the use of the soundtrack yeah. here there was, 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 was brilliant. Um, and they're running out. Everyone's like, oh, the Ghostbusters are here. They're going to save, you know, they're going to save us all with their iconic car. Um, I mean, let's talk about the car quickly. Brilliant, isn't it? It's an old hearse, isn't it? Like almost like a funeral oh, car. Yeah. Um, and originally it's going to be black. No, really? Yeah, it was going to be black because they did so many night shots. Um, they decided to paint it another colour, which then became the iconic white, um, like kind of hearse. So it's it's weird the way fate works out. And it is, isn't it? And the, and the siren noise as well is iconic. It's almost as iconic as the uh, proton pack starting up themselves. Yeah, uh, and I love the the whether it's genius, whether it's sheer luck, the way all of these things work out. And as you say, that you can just hear these noises and you know. If you're a child of the 80s, you know what it's from. And I think it's absolutely brilliant. It's never, ever going to be able to be beaten and proved it with the 2016 Ghostbusters. Yeah. And yeah, beyond any doubt, I think it proved it. Um, yeah. And, 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 and as the Ghostbusters there, it's all looking very good. Then, then obviously the sky gets really dark and it gets really yeah. serious again. And you have some kind of like earthquake there, which sucks the Ghostbusters down and the music stops. And everyone's looking yeah. really tense, and you're like, well, you know, what's going on? Uh, you know, and it, when you were a kid, you're like, oh my, I think, I'm thinking, oh my God, what happened? I, I genuinely thought they were dead. I was like, yeah. what the, you know? Obviously, when you're an adult yeah. watching it, you're not going to think that, but it was, it was a good moment. And then, then you see the hand, and, and they all get up, and everyone cheers, and the music starts again. I mean, I just thought, simple yeah. but clever. Oh, it's so good. It's just, yeah, it puts you back. It can take you away from the. The, the, the adrenaline mm. and they can put you back into it just as quick uh, as you say mate it's absolutely brilliant again they climb the stairs and they get to the top um and that's when 
you've got Rick Moranis and uh, Sigourney Weaver, they turn into dogs, and you've got an, another classic line from Bill Murray says, okay, the girlfriend's a dog. It's, it's <laughs> just so dry and delivered so, so well. And it's just, when they get onto the roof, and I mean, when they actually meet, um, who is it, the Monate Zool, and she says, like, are you a god? The way they push, again, it's poor old Ray. Yes. To do thing. Hey, are you a god? And they kind of they shake their heads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He says, no. And it's just the way she tries to kill him. <laughs> and when someone says, if someone asks if you're a god, you, you say, say yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was, that's, that's, such a good, that's such a quality line, isn't it? Up there. Um, it's such a quality moan to have at someone about something so big. It sounds really petty, but it's like you're telling them that you are a god. I just love that line. Yeah. These lines are said so well. But it's really the way it's done from there. And again, you get the stop motion that uh, Rick Moranis and Sigourney Weaver turn into dogs and they kind of guard Zool as well, don't they? They do. And it's clever the way Zool doesn't become a central character. And I think it's really, really good that they're not shooting at this female, that she says, basically, choose your death, which is yeah. a, a simple thing to do. And it's when I first watched it, I didn't really understand what it actually meant when I was younger. No, no. And they say, clear your minds. If you don't think of anything, nothing will turn up. And your choice has been made. And What would you think I, of? In that moment, if you were there, what would you have thought of, do you think, trying to, trying to not think of anything? Well, I, I would have probably thought about a, I don't know, a naked Monica Belushi, possibly something like that. I'd Just, have, yeah. You know, who would you thought of? Well, probably like a rampant rabbit with legs or something weird like that, I'd imagine. Some some, some bizarre sex toy, probably, too, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> Can you think of Katie Upton or something like that? No, no, no. It, it would be a big, veiny, purple, vibrating thing with legs coming towards the building. Um, I think that's a more character than anything else. It probably, it probably does, doesn't it? It probably does. It's, it's, uh, I don't know why. I've got, I've got a problem. I'm, I'm seeing someone for it, I think. Um <laughs> But Stay Puff, I, I'd never heard no. of Stay Puff. It, it just, it, it didn't, when I first got it, I thought it was like a Matey Bubbles uh, character coming towards us. It, it was just absolutely brilliant. What an amazing idea to actually do that. It was so, so good. But, I mean, the Stay Puff, um, the outfits that obviously the person wore, when you go on YouTube and look at the making of, it's really, really interesting. It is. They've got someone wearing the Stay Puff, and each suit cost 20000 to make. Oh, my God. Um, and all suits were destroyed during the filming of this. And it's brilliant. I mean, the, the special effects are so, so good. And it doesn't look like it's been filmed, and then they've gone over it with, a, like, another screen. No, uh, it, another no, screen. no, it doesn't, does it? I mean, the first reveal, you just see the head, and then you suddenly see it turn in the corner, like, you know, in New York. And you're right. It's like the. I mean, I'd even argue that the best CGI couldn't make that any more believable than they made no. it. Did it in nineteen eighty four? It looks so. It looks so perfect. And and this guy's got such a lovely, friendly face, which made it worse. Yeah, and that's the crazy thing about it. And it's actually got the expressions when they all blast him um, with the proton packs, and he's catching fire. And when you see him next, he's got that really pissed off look on yes. his face. <laughs> that made me laugh. Yeah. Oh, man. It's just so, so clever. It's absolutely brilliant. And he's climbing up the tower block. And they just, um, they kind of obviously foreshadow it that 
you don't cross the streams. If you do cross the streams, then it's like a nuclear bomb going off and everyone's going to die. But the only way they can do it is, and it's interesting that they don't shoot um, the Stay Puff. They actually fire up to the entrance um, where Zool came from. Yeah. Um, and they cross streams. And again, it's, I didn't know when I was younger if any of them, because I didn't, they weren't anyone to me, no. if anyone was going to die. I know. And, uh, there was a lot of tension um, for a kid. And when my kids watched it, that's the first thing my youngest asked, is one of them going to die now? And it's brilliant. They all cross streams, and it's done so well. The special effects are brilliant. It's really, really animated. And they actually blow everything up and everything. Again, it turns to fun straight away. They get rid of that tension. Everything's covered in marshmallows. Oh, that cracked me up. Yeah, I know. Oh, it's so good. And even in Walter Peck, is staying at the bottom of the tower. And this must have really hurt him. It's as if they drop about 10 tons of foam, which is meant to be marshmallows, on top of him. It's, it's just brilliant. Everyone's covered. It's done so well. And obviously, they rescue Sigourney Weaver um, and Rick Moranis. And it's just brilliant. It's, it's a perfect ending for me. It's done so simple. It is because it is, they end up going downstairs. They they, they save everyone. Walter Peck gets covered in marshmallows, um, marshmallow, and uh, and then you got the, and basically you have the credits rolling. If they get in the car and reverse in a way, I mean, not much is really going on, but it's nice. We sat there and watched it until it went black, and then right at the end, obviously you see Slimer come towards, obviously, you know, the camera or the or the TV. Oh, it's so good. I mean, I've I've got some recasts. Just I was just thinking. I was looking at different films around that era just to see what your opinions are. I mean, I know it's really difficult, obviously when you've had one and two and they're so iconic, but I was thinking back in the time, uh, would Christopher Lambert work, um, for say Egon Spiegler? No. So not Christopher Lambert, Christopher Lloyd, sorry, from back to the future. Oh, I don't, I mean, I could see him doing it only because of the iconic back to the future, but once again, it wouldn't have been the same. And I, and I, I failed to think you would not have had that chemistry. So you've got Tom Hanks as well, who was a young up-and-coming star. I mean, who could could you see him replacing Ray's character? Yeah, I don't think he would have been a Bakeman, more of like a Ray. But once yeah. again, I, yeah, I, I just can't, I just, it, uh, I think the minute you start doing stuff, yes, you're playing a massive guessing game, but you're risking that chemistry between the three, which is one of the glues that hold one of, one of the, you know, one of the main, you know, one of the glues that holds that, that holds that film together. I mean, the relationship between those three is the heart of the film. And I think if you change any one of those, any one of those actors, you then risk that heart of the film, you know, not, you know, not, not being as strong. Yeah. I mean, it's because originally Harold Ramis and Dan Aykroyd wrote um, John Belushi, obviously from the Blues Brothers. Mm. Um, they wrote him into the scrap, obviously sadly died. But I could honestly see um, John Belushi playing Bill Murray's character. Really? Yeah, I could. I think John Belushi had a very, very deadpan sense of humour. I mean, it may not have worked, but I mean, Bill Murray was iconic and he's an absolute genius, but that really wouldn't have surprised me. And again, that around that era, Michael Keaton, he yeah, was up and coming. Yeah. And Dan Aykroyd, I think he would have been a really good Dan Aykroyd. Michael Keaton, possibly. I really don't know. Again, it's so hard when these people are kind of set in stone. Jeff Goldblum, 
he he was the fly. The fly was in 1986. See, he so, he, 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 he may have made an okay Egon. It, yeah, for me, yeah, he could have been a good Egon as well. Yeah, I, I think that one possibly may have worked. But yeah, I mean, especially especially when you look at the way he played portrayed the character in Jurassic Park, and if you think of like a, a more of an awkward version of the one he made played dress well, like, maybe less confident, but just and slightly more awkward. He might it, it may have done well, but yeah, you're right. It is difficult to say. Yeah, because two years later on from this, it was uh, Martin Brundle in the the Fly. Mm. It won a good actor he was in that perfect professor kind of, and he could have carried that over possibly in his film. It is it is really really hard, but um, some of the kind of half assed trivia that. They've got in there again. It says that Bill Murray ablib most of his um, his scenes, and Harold Ramirez, as I said, um, didn't intend to actually write this for himself to play a specular, but again thought it was best suited. Which it's amazing how how well it works out. Um, and th- th- I thought this was quite good, and this shows how popular this film was. That um, its initial release, uh, they obviously the commercial for the Ghostbusters and the number was uh, 555 it was replaced by 1800 if you want to call if you see any ghosts and from when this film was released they got over a thousand calls um, per 24 hours oh a day God. for six weeks from people ringing up and if you did ring up you got a recorded message from Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd um, saying they're out at the moment uh, catching ghosts oh that's brilliant I just thought that was so so good. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that that's brilliant. That's the kind of stuff that happens today, but that's brilliant, isn't it? Yeah, and um, as I say, this was the highest-grossing film until Home Alone in 1990. So six years it held that um, that crown for, which was brilliant. Um, they said Michael Keaton turned down the role as both um, Vegman or Spegler. Oh wow! Yeah, so I, I thought that was good. And Sigourney Weaver the. The, the floating part in the bed, which was really, really good. Because mm. you can see the shadows of uh, Bill Murray when he's there. Um, that was done. She had a cast wrapped around her waist and she was held by uh, cables. Oh, wow. So it looked like she's hovering. But I mean, there's loads and loads of trivia. But for me, this film should have been done, as you rightly said, by the rest of the guys when we were actually recording um, many years back. It's such a good film and it, it holds time it doesn't date at all and it's just a film that you can go back to again and it's a stopper it's one of those films where if you were at home and it was on and someone was saying like can you take the rubbish out can you just do this that you there are bits so often that you'd stop at and just say yeah well, oh, mate, i know i know i went in the canteen at work the other day and this was on i think this is around christmas time mm. and basically we i think we we had an extended um, I think we extended our lunch break by 45 minutes to the end of it. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I know. I know. So, so, go on, best bits, worst bits, would you recommend? Oh, I, I mean, I mean, this is getting... A, 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 no film, I think, you can argue that no film is perfect, but I think this is a perfect storm. Every element there is absolutely fantastic. And I think, for me, it would be wrong if I didn't give it a five with all the enjoyment this this has given me so it's getting to five and best bit i think is it's the chemistry between the main three the main three characters as i mentioned earlier is the heart of the film if i was if you could i don't think there i cannot really find a worst 
I can't think of a worse bit at all because I, I, I like the film so much. And even even at a push, it would almost be me kind of like forcing myself to think of something just to say it, and I can't from the top of my head at the moment. Would you recommend this to anyone? Uh, uh, yeah, I recommend anyone. I mean, this is a perfect minus, obviously, <laughs> minus maybe the two scenes, the inside me scene. And the other one, my, if, you, if, you, if you take away that, I would, I'd say it is, it's the perfect family film. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, every, I could just echo everything you say, mate. It's, it's just brilliant. The, the chemistry, the special effects, the, the comedy, and the, the way the story moves, it's, it's kind of a perfect three-part, like the acts, the way it's set up, the introductions, the, yeah. the, the characters are there where it gets going, there's more ghosts, and you meet um, Dana, and you meet Rick Moranis, and then the plot's driven to, it's taken over by ghosts, it's, it flows so well, constantly, and there's so many bits going on, it never slows down, it, it's just brilliant, it, and as you say mate, it's a film for the whole family, that it you is. can pick up any time, um, any age, that you'd everyone would sit round, and just watch it, and you can watch it from any part of this film. It's done, and there aren't any bad bits. No, your spot. You'd you'd be forcing yourself to find a bad part just to fill that category, and there aren't any bad parts. It's it's done so so well. But yeah, I'd recommend this, and I'd give it a five out of five. It's just a brilliant film, and it's so well written. It's amazing that it didn't go on to do better things uh, for the second one. Which I think, as you rightly said, it is underrated. Mm. But from why it didn't work so well for the second one, I don't quite know. I'd have to sit and watch the second one again. Maybe that's something that we could review um, if we do get another break in the like the kind of films that we're reviewing to go and visit the second one. Oh, absolutely. So I mean, yeah. Work out. I mean, yeah. I like. I don't think it's not as good as the first Ghostbusters film, but. I don't think it deserves the slating a lot of people. Uh, a lot of people give. It. I mean, I still put it above the 2016 film. Um, so, so and yeah, yeah. But I remember the bad. I I do remember um, why why I didn't enjoy it so much. Just thinking now, uh, the, the the guy in the picture and things like that, why it didn't work out so well. And when I'm watching it, and I remember thinking, this is really disappointing. From the fun I had, the ride I was on, this really isn't working and it just be, it would be great to work out why it didn't happen and just review it and just put ads together to to see if we've got different points of view you might watch it again and think no actually it's pretty good i could watch it again and think it's a pile of shit and it would be really interesting to to go and do that no definitely yeah there you go definitely well that's ghostbusters that's 1984 thankfully and not 2016 so what's next on uh in planet pod then what have we got organized I've no idea at the moment. I'm, I, th- I think Josh had a. Uh, I think it was personal things, which is which is why we couldn't do it. So the minute we can get a date for the Star Wars, um, I don't even want to call it a Star Wars film. For that, for that, for that film, um, masquerading as a Star Wars film. Um, yeah, we 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 we, we can we, we we can do that. Um, I'm not I'm not I'm not too sure, Stu. I guess I guess we'll have a we'll have a we'll have a chat if we and if we can't mate, if we can't if we can't think then maybe it's, it's going to be Ghostbusters too. Yeah, maybe we should do that. Yeah. Ghostbusters will be the next one. Okay, okay. And, uh, it'd be really interesting to visit that one again, just to see 
it kind of makes sense, what? doesn't it, since we've done the first one. And we're, and we're already talking about the second one not being as good. And, and it'd be interesting to see why. Uh, and I'd imagine, I mean, I'm definitely going to have a best bit and worst bit in that film, unlike this one. So. Yeah, uh, definitely. If, if there's anyone, I mean, email, tweet us. We're on um, all the platforms, Facebook, uh, the Film Realcast. So if you think the second one is good, we're wrong, then just let us know. Just send us a message. Or if you think we're talking bollocks or we're right, just or if there's films you want reviewing. And also, probably the easiest way, if you want to listen to, I mean, we've got, what is it, 107 different podcasts that we've oh got out. Gosh. And the easiest way to do that is by following us and going through our back catalogue where everything's on Facebook and on Twitter as well. And you can get every single podcast that um, we've ever done if you really, really are twisted that way. And it's just a, <laughs> it's a good way to fill a journey to work, just listening to me and you talking bollocks, I think. about. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, journey to work, stuck in traffic, um, doing something mundane at work even, being on the yeah. toilet. Yeah, and watch them, then listen to the podcast. I love doing that. There's so many different great podcasts out there, uh, as well as our one, obviously where you listen to it and you think, actually, I want to watch that film. So I stop listening to the podcast. And then I go and watch the film and then I pick it up again. And just to s- listen to the people's points of view, I always find that great. So, mm. yeah, maybe do that. I don't know. No, definitely. Well, I guess I, I guess then we'll, we'll, be, we'll be back. I know that we start with probably more likely as we wait for Josh. So it's going to be, it's going to be Ghostbusters too. Definitely, definitely. I really look forward to it. And uh, thanks everyone for listening. It's been really great fun. What about the Twinkie? Who could accept the fact that this city is headed for a disaster of biblical proportion? What do you mean? Biblical. What he means is Old Testament. Yeah, yeah. they are real wrath of God type of Fire and brimstone coming down in the sky. Rivers and seas boiling. What are you going to start with? Earthquakes, volcanoes, the dead rising from the grave. Humans standing by, dogs and cats living together. Massive carrier. Do you have any hobbies?